0: Welcome to the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today, Chris. Um, Thank you for taking the time out to to talk to us today about happiness. Um, Just for the listeners, um, I'm just wondering if you could possibly give us a bit of a brief introduction as to who you are, the the, the kind of waves that you're making in happiness and all that kind of jazz?
1: Yeah. Who am I? Um, (laughs) I started out as an engineer. I did a degree in engineering. Carol Vorderman was my lab partner at university. Uh, I can still remember her. She probably can't remember me. Um, And then I, so I went into manufacturing and worked as a sort of a production engineer, but I wasn't a very good engineer. And I, I went into management. I I thought I could probably make more of a difference as a manager and it might suit me better. And it did suit me a bit better, but I I wasn't that happy as a manager. Um, I couldn't make as much of a difference as I wanted. And the process I didn't find very enjoyable. I found myself having to do things I didn't entirely agree with. So my sort of search for happiness made me give up on management after about 10 years. Um, And there was a job advertised as a university lecturer and I just thought I'd always kind of fancied teaching but couldn't really face having to go through the qualifications of becoming a school teacher and the sort of terrible pay school teachers are really underappreciated I think Um, but anyway there was a job as a university lecturer and I applied for that and was amazed when I got it so I worked as a university lecturer for a while at, at Bournemouth Business School And I loved it. It was like discovering the thing you were born to do. And I think the search for an enjoyable job has to go on. So I did that for about four or five years and I really loved it. And then uh, to my sudden surprise, they uh, closed the department down and made us all redundant, uh, which was a bit of a blow because I was loving the job. But the good news was they said, you can keep all the customers because we were doing training, not just for people on the MBA course, but we're doing it for local businesses as well. And they said, keep all the customers and you can be self-employed. And I thought, yeah, why not? So about 20 years ago, this was, I found myself self-employed as a trainer. And I've been doing that for 20 years happily ever since. So, so what I do now is I, well, until recently, I've been traveling around the country. But now I do training over Zoom. Um, and I also make videos, which I've been putting on LinkedIn Learning and Udemy. Um, so I've got. Quite a lot of videos on LinkedIn Learning and Udemy. I get about 20,000 views a day on LinkedIn Learning, which is epic, really. I'm not entirely sure how that's happened, but uh, I'm delighted by that. Um, And on Udemy, I've got the best-selling negotiating course in the world. Um, Very good. Yeah, I've got a happiness course on Udemy as well. Actually, I must see who else has got one and where I am on the sort of ranking of that. But I think my happiness course on LinkedIn Learning, which has had about 700,000 views, might be one of the most viewed happiness courses in the world. So I've been doing happiness from an engineer's point of view, really, trying to understand happiness. You know, what not trying to define it particularly, but just what... Um, can a person do every day to increase the amount of happiness that they pull out of life? Really? That's, that's where I'm coming from. Like practical approach to happiness. So, yeah. And I have written a few books and I've written a book called the big book of happiness. I was trying to think of a clever name, but I thought in the end, it that's what it is. So my big book of happiness is on Kindle and Amazon and places like that.
0: So there we are. That's who I am. I think sometimes uh, the simple, titles are usually the best i think
1: yeah i think i think so um, one of my friends said you could call it um how loud is your laugh how wide is your smile and i thought it's a sort of clever title and it's but it's quite sort of 1970s self help isn't it yeah and i thought no i'll just call it the big the only trouble with calling it the big book of happiness was that i discovered that the dalai lama has also got a book called <laughs> the big book of happiness and i can't really compete with the dalai lama because you know he is literally a god but uh yeah we've got the same book title accidentally
0: there we are um so similar to the sort of journey that you've been on the whole idea behind this podcast is to understand happiness really yeah and kind of get different people's opinions on what happiness is to them
1: it's a tricky old subject, isn't it? Because the more I try to understand it, the more I realize that it's, um, what. Well, well, what I've found is that there are lots of things you can do to increase your happiness, which we'll probably come on to in a minute. But trying to find a pattern between them is really hard. You know, trying to come up with a theory that sort of puts them into some sort of proper structure is really, well, I think it's impossible, but surely it can't be because things like time management there are lots of structures important and urgent and all sorts of things and motivation you know there's maslow and all that but happiness seems to be this sort of random collection of things that you can do Uh, and it's so it's a really fascinating subject and i've just been adding things to the the collection of things you can do but i would like to really nail it in a sort of academic way and get it down to some sort of structure or system but i still haven't managed to do that i've got to admit
0: it, it reminds me, having, having done the podcast of um, the Schroding, Schrodinger's cat theory of, I don't know if you've heard of that. Have you heard of
1: that? Yeah, when you open the box to see if the cat's dead or alive, you mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't know, you know, when the box is closed, you don't know whether it's alive or dead or both. And I think well, I think happiness is something similar.
1: Yes, or an electron. You can either know how fast it's going or where it is, but not both. Yeah. Yes. So the only way to find out where it's going is is to stop it moving or whatever, and it's like that. Yeah, you can only know one part of it, and the more you try to look at one part, the next bit sort of disappears. So it is tricky, but there are practical things you can do uh, to increase your happiness. And and I I have sort of got a bit of a structure of what happiness is. Shall I tell you what how I see the structure of it? Please do. Please do. Um. Yeah. Well, I think that it's I, I started out reading lots of books on achievement how to be successful and make money and all that sort of stuff because there's quite a few mostly american books on that and some of them are really good at uh, if you want to make money they'll tell you how but the problem with making money is it won't necessarily make you happy and it's been researched a lot and we now know that beyond a certain point extra money doesn't make you happy and I'll come back to that in a minute. So what I found was that achievement isn't enough. And I think, you know, you've got to have enjoyment as well. And I've got some friends who are obsessed with achievement, but they don't enjoy themselves. They're doing a job they hate and they never have any time, you know, to do the things they want to do. And and that. That just doesn't seem sensible but I've got other friends who are going for maximum enjoyment and sort of just partying basically because I play in a band and so I know quite a few musicians who are often quite hedonistic and they have lots of fun in the short term but then they don't get they don't achieve anything you know they have big dreams to be on tv and have a best-selling album and things and they don't achieve those things usually so they they've gone for Enjoyment, but not achievement. And they still think they're going to achieve, but they won't um, because they need to plan and do some things they don't want to do in the short term in order to achieve things in the longer term. And I think happiness is a combination of enjoyment and achievement. So if you can somehow get enjoyment from the present and achieve things in the future, then you get happiness from both of those. And if you only do one, it it doesn't even give you half, it gives you kind of a quarter. so there's there's sort of short-term happiness and longer-term happiness, and these are sometimes called hedonistic happiness and eudaimonic happiness. Eudaimonia is the, is the Greek word for happiness, and, and that I think is the happiness you get from having achieved things. So I mean a, a sort of crazy example, I went on holiday with some friends and we went trekking in the Himalayas, and I didn't realize how Hard it was going to be. I mean, I'm I'm an idiot, and I just I thought this will be a nice walk, and it turned out to be really full on crazy. We went all the way to Everest Base Camp, and at the time it wasn't particularly enjoyable. I mean, there were one or two moments, like when you saw the sun setting and the mountains were all orange coloured, and you know there were a few moments, but 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 generally, it was pretty unpleasant you know for example they don't have toilets on the way to Everest base camp and I won't go into the details but it there were a lot of things that were quite unpleasant but it has given me happiness that trip afterwards you know and as I sort of look back on what we did and I just think that was amazing and the things we saw and things we did and you know and I did it and I got there and it was fantastic and so it's given that that sort of bit of unhappiness at the time has given me lasting happiness to look back on it and I think probably everyone listening to this will have been on trips holidays cycle rides stuff where at the time they just thought why am I doing this but afterwards you look back and think that was really great and I'm glad I did it Um, and similarly you can go for short-term happiness and regret it later and think why did I drink all that alcohol or have that affair or whatever it might have been and so I, I think there's there's a sort of almost inverse correlation between um, the short term and the longer term. And the trick is to somehow do both. If you can do things that are fun in the short term and give you enjoyment, but also give you a longer term sense of achievement and the happiness you get from that. So I think happiness is enjoy and achieve, but I also think we have to do it at home and at work. And I was mentioning just now that I didn't enjoy my first few jobs. And I'm really glad I didn't just stay being an engineer or a manager I'm really glad I had that restless sort of search because I think a lot of people think oh well that's my life now and I'm doing a job I don't particularly like I mean I've talked to for example doctors who say if I had my time over again I'd never go into medicine because I just don't enjoy it the state of the health service and I'm thinking leave then but the trouble is they've got so much invested in that now all that training they kind of can't leave and and chuck it all in and do something but maybe they should and So I think it's really important to enjoy and achieve at home and at work. And often people's plan is to enjoy at home and then achieve at work. Um, And that's all right. But I actually also think we should achieve stuff at home. And by home, I mean outside work, by the way. So we should try to achieve some stuff in our personal life as well as at work. You don't want all your achievements to just depend on your job. But perhaps even more important, at work, you've got to enjoy your work as well as get a sense of achievement from your work. So I think the definition of happiness is enjoy and achieve at home and at work. And that's as near as I've managed to come to a, a structured approach to happiness. But then, of course, the big question is, how do you do all those things, which we'll probably come to in a minute?
0: That's really interesting, that. Um, just one thing that's come, a question that's come out with that, Oh, so you were talking about short-term enjoyment and long-term achievement. Yeah. Do you think that um, short-term enjoyment can become steps to a related long-term achievement?
1: I think it can do if you plan it. I mean, I think of the analogy of going up a mountain. And I think that ideally you would enjoy the process of going up the mountain as well as enjoying the view from the top you know if climbing it is horrible but you get an amazing view then is it worth it because most of life is the journey so i think you've got to enjoy the process as well as the destination Uh, and some parts of the process you won't enjoy um you know so windsurfing you have to strap your windsurfer to your roof rack and drive down to the beach and unstrap it and assemble it all and struggle into your wetsuit and you know but then it's worth it for the windsurfing itself so i think you know some parts of of going up the mountain may not be enjoyable maybe you have to study and write assignments before you get your qualification or whatever so i think it's very hard for all of the steps to be enjoyable um but i think some of them can and in fact some of them have to be because if all of it's not enjoyable then what are you doing so you know for example i remember steve redgrave rowing guy the olympian he um he was interviewed after he got his fourth gold medal and he later on went to, went on and got a fifth one but after his fourth medal i don't know if you remember just after he'd won the race they said how do you feel steve and he said if anybody sees me trying to get into a boat ever again would they please shoot me that was yep. what he said and he didn't enjoy the process at all of of training or or even of the race. He just wanted to get to the top of the mountain and win the gold medal. And he spent all those years training. And I think, you know, maybe that's the price you have to pay to win an Olympic gold. Uh, You've got to be perhaps more obsessive than everyone else in the world, as well as having talent. But I think for us mere mortals, that's too much of a price to pay. And, And I think, you, you actually get more happiness from dabbling in things and having a bit of fun and, you know, rather than being obsessed about it. So I think you're right. I think the game is to try to find a mostly enjoyable process, which also gives you an achievement at the
0: end of it. So I recorded a podcast, um, a while ago with, um, with a researcher from nottingham trent university who looks oh, yeah. at uh, social identity and uh, the impact on of group membership on life satisfaction uh what are your thoughts in terms of happiness of that age-old adage of variety is the spice of life
1: i really like it i really like it i mean i'll give you an example right i I'm quite bad at the saxophone, but I, I'm i good enough to get away with it, and I play in a band. And actually, sometimes people come up and say, oh, I wish I had your talent, and I'm thinking you're joking. You know, what I've done is I've worked at it. And actually, any band, you have to put in some work. You have to practice and write the songs and, you know, get the gigs, which is ha- hard to do, hassle people to let you play in their pub, etc. And so... It annoys me when people imply that it's luck. Oh, you were born with talent. It's not that. So, but the point is I'm not very good at the saxophone, but I'm good enough to be able to play in a band and have fun. And I could try to get better at the saxophone and have loads of lessons and practice all of the time, but it wouldn't actually make any difference. It wouldn't actually increase my enjoyment, I don't think. Um, and I don't know if you've seen that film Whiplash where the guy practices the drums obsessively to the point where his hands are bleeding. He's so obsessed with being the best drummer ever. And he, he doesn't enjoy the process at all. And you just think, why do not why not just go and play the drums in a band in a pub and enjoy it, you know? And, and then similarly, I, I play tennis quite badly, but I do love going down to the tennis court on a sunny day and hitting the ball around. And, If I got any better at tennis, I don't think I would enjoy it any more than I do at the moment. I got quite good at squash when I was younger. I got to the point where I could beat all my friends. But then I didn't really want to play with my friends and they didn't want to play with me either. And so you end up in the sort of top box at your local squash club where it all gets very sweaty and competitive and nasty. And and you think, actually, I'm not enjoying this anymore now. So I actually think rather than get really good at one thing, it's better to be half decent at loads of things and just play a bit of tennis and blow the saxophone and write some poetry and do a bit of painting or whatever and and not worry about trying to be better than other people or trying to be the best which is definitely futile. I mean even Federer is not the best in the world at the moment, you know. So don't even think about that and I'll never be as good on the sax as John Coltrane but I don't mind that because I'm good enough to make a noise in a pub and have fun. And so I absolutely think dabble in things rather than trying to master them. And that will increase your happiness totally.
0: So it's almost as if you're creating yourself to be a jack of all trades, master of none.
1: Yes. Yes. Because you can never master everything. And there's a really good book called the inner game of tennis. And in there, he says, there are three reasons why you might play tennis. And one of them is to master it, but don't, don't think about that because you never will master it. It'll just drive you mad. And the second reason is to beat other people. And that's also a road to nowhere because you, you could pick on people who are not very good and beat them. But what, you know, what's the point of that? You know, in your heart of hearts, it's no, you know, a good tennis game is where it's 50-50 and it's close. And so you're going to lose half your game. Even Federer loses quite a few of his matches. So if, if you're doing it to beat people, forget that. The reason you should play tennis is not mastery or competition. It's to enjoy hitting the ball. And just every now and then I do a good shot, probably only once or twice in a match. I do one that goes right where I want it, down the line, into the corner. And I just think, yes. And that's what makes it worth it. And and just to be in the sunshine and laugh. um, And, you know, so do it because you enjoy it and get pleasure from actually hitting the ball and not try. If you try to master it, you'll get you'll get no pleasure from hitting it because you'll just think, oh, I didn't hit it quite right every time. So I think Jack of all trades, master of none is is absolutely the way to go. And I seem to remember reading somewhere that Jack of all trades, master of none is a is a misquote. And nowadays it's used in a sort of derogatory term of, oh, yeah, he's a Jack of all trades, master of none. But originally, Jack of all trades was good. Um, and, and I think if you I can't remember, but if you research that phrase, you'll find that it's been twisted and changed over the years from the original intention of whoever first said it. So, yeah, I, I absolutely think dabble in lots of things. It will make you happier and you won't be the world champion, but you won't anyway. And in fact, a, a friend of mine trains Olympic sailors and she told me that the ones who get the silver are really gutted. You know, they've worked really hard for four years and they don't get the gold and they are gutted. They feel like a failure because they're only number two in the world. Uh, And she said the ones who get the gold have a brief peak of euphoria. But after that, they don't know what to do. So they've had four years of unhappiness as they've trained the hell out of themselves. They get a little peak of euphoria, which doesn't last long. And then they don't know what to do. They have to try to get another gold. And if they only get a silver next time, they're gutted or they just can't, they don't know what to do after that. So she said that the people she knows who are at the top of the game are actually all unhappy. And I thought that's amazing, isn't it? You know, so I I think just go out sailing with your kids and your friends on some little boat and get happiness from that. But if you start to get competitive, it's a road to nowhere. That's what, that's what I believe. And I'm sure it's true.
0: That's really interesting. Um, (laughs) yeah, so just, mediocre.
1: <laughs> it sounds yeah. awful doesn't it
0: <laughs> yes it's true though it's true um I've just I've just written something down that, that that's just sort of popped into my my thinking um, yeah. so obviously you know the things that make us happy are very unique and personal to us and you know there's there's no combination of things that make us happy that will be identical to somebody else but do you think that having a a social network of similarly minded people is is key to help you stay motivated with happiness
1: uh yes i do yes um I think there are two, I don't know if this is going to answer your question, but I think there's two things to say about that. I think one is friends are a big source of happiness. Um, Brian Tracy said that 80% of your happiness comes from the people you interact with. And the only 20 comes from material things. So, you know, if you get a really nice car, let's say you get happiness from looking at it. But really you get happiness from going out with your friends, driving or going around to see people or, you know, chatting to people about cars or whatever and so you know even quite materialistic things like that actually it's the people where you get the happiness and and so i think the first thing is friends are really important and they are a big contributor to your happiness and if you're not careful you end up with a a network of friends, not all of whom make you happy. You know, you drift apart from friends or, you know, you some people marry partners who you don't like and things, and you can end up with quite toxic friends. So one of the happiness things I'd recommend is doing a, a friends audit where you just look at all your friends and you think, who do I want to spend more time with and who do I want to spend less time with? And be kind of ruthless about that. I mean, it might be at Christmas when you do your Christmas card list or something like that, but just think am I actually getting happiness from this friendship anymore from this person or is it, has it become neutral or even a kind of a negative relationship and get rid of those friends, just fade them away to a point where you never see them and maybe send them a Christmas card and that's all. And then you can spend more time with the friends who really inspire you and who you love and who, you know, make you think and, and who make you happy. So I think having a look at your friends and tipping the waiting towards, because we all don't have enough time for our, really good friends and and how are you going to get more time and maybe getting rid of some of the others is an option so I think a friend's audit is an intriguing little idea, but the other thing is that positive friends are really important so there might be some friends who you can have a laugh with and um, party with, but I also think a mastermind group is a really good idea. so if you can get a group of of people who want to improve their lives and want to achieve more but also want to be happier and want to you know find jobs that they enjoy and you know people who are working out how to live the best life they can I absolutely think it's good to get a group of them together uh, and meet every now and then and, and and actually say and make it a mastermind group so where you actually declare what your plans are and help each other with your plans and and then hold each other to account and say have you done what you said you were going to do last time and you, you know you said you were going to come out of your comfort zone more and push yourself more and have you done that uh, or, or whatever it might be so I think a sort of happiness achievement um, success group I think would be really interesting and that's that's known as a mastermind group so I think that there that's two points on friends really the friends audit and the the mastermind group and I think those are both really really important
0: yeah I think it was Aristotle who said uh, – so one of Aristotle's main publications was the Nicomachean Ethics, and that, that publication pretty much looked at what is the meaning of life, what is the ultimate, ultimate purpose for human existence, and one of the, the things that came out of that was Aristotle said – we should seek something for the sake of the thing we are seeking, rather than seeking something for the benefit of something else. Ah, okay. And what he means by that is obviously, you know, we work because we have to pay bills, so we we we've, we seek something for the benefit of something else. Whereas with happiness, we seek happiness to be happy. So we seek something for the sake of the thing that we're seeking. And it, it yeah. kind of almost sounds like this This mastermind group is a similar sort of thing. So you are seeking positive people for the sake of being around positive people.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I do think if you actually, there are people who say if you try to capture happiness, you never will. Um, but I think if you can work out what makes you happy and do more of that, then you are increasing the amount of, juice that you're sucking out of the orange as it were so uh, an interesting exercise is just to think what's made me happy over the last couple of weeks and if it was walking on the beach in bare feet even though the sea's pretty cold at the moment then do more of that Um, or if it's you know eating a curry with your mates then do more of that plan it in and make it happen make more of that happen and so i think It's definitely a good idea to work out what things you like doing and just do more of those and seek those and then the happiness will follow. You know, if you seek the abstract idea of happiness, then that's you don't know what you're looking for. So I agree. and But you're not seeking walking on the beach because you want to be happy. You're seeking walking on the beach because you you know that you like walking on the beach. Exactly. If that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. And it just requires some thinking about where does your happiness come from? And it's interesting, by the way, that if you do a list of all the things that have made you happy in the last few weeks, I bet none of them cost much money. I mean, all right, the curry with your mates is 20 quid, but you've got to eat something in the evening anyway. Um, but it's it's not going to be something that's really, really expensive. Probably you'll probably find most of your happiness came from, you know, going for a nice walk or having a laugh with somebody or, you know, things that are actually free. Um, so, you know, I, I, got a load of happiness yesterday, cutting up some logs with my son. He's got this fire pit in his garden and we we scrounged some logs free from somebody who was cutting their tree down and then we sawed them up as a chainsaw and an axe and we were splitting logs and we ended up with this big pile. And we we felt achievement because we had the pile of logs, but we also really enjoyed the process because splitting logs with an axe is just brilliant fun. Although health warning, careful, because it's quite dangerous. But if you know what you're doing, you know, so we had a really good time doing that and 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 it was free you know it didn't cost anything to cut those logs up and so if you look at where it's come from you'll probably find that most of those things are free and you can do more of them and i absolutely think you're right you know seeking the things just because you enjoy them is is how it should be and money is only ever a means to an end if you people think if they had more money it would make them happy but if you had more money what would you do with it And if you're thinking, if I had more money, I would, um, you know, I'd I'd ride a galloping horse along the beach every day, let's say. So then the answer is, well, how can you ride a galloping horse along the beach anyway? And you should seek that, not seeking the money. And maybe there's somebody who wants you to exercise their horse for them. I bet there are people who would like you to ride their horse for them because they're too busy working, doing a job they don't enjoy because they're seeking money. And, you know, if you, if, if, you, if you had loads of money, if you would buy a massive yacht and sail around the world, then you can do that anyway. You know, there are people who will pay you to sail their yacht to Australia for them. And you can just do one leg of the journey. You can just do the first bit if you want or one of the middle legs. So there are people who will pay you to sail big yachts across the world. So almost always there's a way to do what you want without the money. So I agree. I think seek the activity Rather than seeking the money, which you think will give you the activity. because it never will. You'll never save up enough money to have that huge yacht, um, and the price you pay, even if you can save up the money, you'll have to do a horrible job for years, um, and you'll be too busy to go sailing because you're earning. And it's just that's just a crazy way to do it. So seek the thing, not the money to buy the thing.
0: I, I agree. So as we come into the the the, the sort of last part of this podcast i was just wondering um, if there was any advice that you would give people about uh pursuing happiness i know you've mentioned a few things there but yeah um
1: i would say i've 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 got a thing called the happiness magnet and in fact if you google happiness magnet you'll probably find me or certainly if you put in chris croft happiness magnet you'll find me um and the m is money Uh, And some I can do the magnet very quickly, by the way, because we've covered half of it already. Uh, M is money. Don't bother trying to seek money. It won't make you happy. Um, It's not the answer. You've already got enough money to be happy, probably, if you're listening to this. I mean, obviously, if you're starving, then money is important. But if you've got enough money to be comfortable, then don't seek any more. Um, The A of magnet is to audit your friends and just have a real think about who do you want to spend more time with? And therefore, who do you have to spend less time with? Um, the G of magnet, and this is something I haven't fully talked about yet, but is, is goals. It's really important to have clear goals. And I think they should be joy and achieve at home and at work. So, you know, what do you want to achieve outside work? What do you want to achieve at work? And what do you like doing that you'd like to do more of? And just write a list. I'd like to play more tennis. I'd like to learn the saxophone. I'd, you know, whatever it might be. And, and writing down a list of goals is absolutely vital, um, If you write down a list of goals, they will happen because you've set autopilot in your head and you will inevitably move towards them. And the other advantage of writing down goals is that you'll probably put in some quite ambitious ones, some projects, and it goes back to Aristotle then, because if you write down a goal, let's say to build your own house or something like that, then you're much more likely to do that project and you'll get immense satisfaction from moving towards that goal. You know, the process of building the house will be as enjoyable as as having the finished house or it should be if you do it right. So, you know, you can enjoy climbing the mountain and you can enjoy the view from the top. So so setting goals makes you attempt bigger things and then you get happiness from doing it. Um, it sort of pulls you out of your comfort zone a little bit when you set a goal. You know, I'm going to set a goal to hire a car and drive across Australia or something, and then you'll you'll be more likely to do it, and you'll come out of your comfort zone. So the G of Magna is goals, and I'm a huge believer in writing down a list of goals. And if you do one thing, that's what I would do. Um, the N of Magna is to try to get rid of your negative emotions, or at least reduce the amount of negative emotions that you have. So if you feel something like worry, welling up within you, and you can't stop it welling up within you because we are human. But what you then do is you think, I'm not, you consciously think, I'm not gonna wallow in worry. I'm gonna push it away and I'm gonna get rid of it. I'm gonna think, no, I'm not gonna worry. I'm gonna make a plan and all you can do is the best you can and I'm not gonna worry and consciously push it away. And if you find anger welling up within you, which it does sometimes, just think, I'm not gonna get angry because it doesn't do me any good it doesn't make any difference you know getting angry with somebody else it's say another driver you're looking at somebody who's pulled out in front of you and really angry they don't even know you're angry all you're doing it's like drinking poison and hoping that the other person dies you know the yeah. only person who suffers is you if you get angry and once you realize it's pointless you can then think i'm not going to give it house room it's going to well out well up but i'm not going to wallow in anger i'm just going to think no, not going to get angry. That other driver a bit of an idiot, but that's his problem. And if, if I get angry, he's one. So I think the end of magnet is negative emotions. And I think it's a really interesting idea to not let negative emotions take over your world because you, you're, you're choosing to get annoyed and there's no point. Um, and there are loads of negative emotions like, you know, guilt. You know, you gain nothing from guilt. It doesn't, it doesn't change what happened uh you can learn from what happened and move on but don't wallow in in guilt so get rid of negative emotions the e of magnet is to enjoy your job and we've been talking about this quite a lot already you know don't don't pick a job that is well paid because you want the money find a job that you enjoy and if you're good at it the money will follow anyway and and anyway you don't need huge amounts of money to be happy and some of the happiest people I know do quite badly paid jobs, actually. And some of the least happy people do really well paid. As a property developer, I know who is really unhappy and he's really stressed, and you know, even though he earns millions. And so, um, let go of money and and just think about what job would I enjoy, and the search must go on for that. And then the final thing, the T of magnet is time, and and I think saying no more is really worth doing saying no to things that don't make you happy Um, people do this as they get older they start to get more assertive about their time as it starts to run out and that's why people get happier as they get older but even if you're young you should be saying no you know you should realize that your time is fixed you want to make the most of it and say no because if you say no to the things that don't make you happy and and whether it's um, you know particular friends or particular activities or whatever it is um, if you say no to things that don't make you happy, you get a double win because you have less unhappiness in your life, but you also have more time for the things that do make you happy. So I think saying no is a big part of being happy, actually. Uh, but that comes back to goals, because once you've got clear goals, you can say no to everything else and you know, therefore, what ha- what is a yes and what is a no. Because if it doesn't contribute to your goals, if it's not something you enjoy or or leads you to achievement you should say no to it so um i mean obviously sometimes you you, you're going to want to help other people uh, but then actually you'll enjoy that so you know that doesn't really fall foul of that rule helping other people makes you happy but but getting control of your time which after all is your life your life's only time is really important and that requires saying no so the t of magna is your time particularly saying no so that's my magnet money audit friends goals negative emotions enjoy your job and time and i think those would be but if i could pick one thing i would say clear goals because everything follows from that
0: i find the the time one really interesting because um it's almost a level of bravery developing a a level of bravery to actually say no that's not my happiness that's your happiness, and I find a lot of people will try and say, "Oh, you need to do this because it makes me happy." I don't yes. need to do that because it might not make me happy. And
1: I- it, you're absolutely right; it does take bravery. and And is it is it selfish to say no to things you don't want to do? I mean, that's quite a difficult question because, after all, it is your life. And if ten people each take ten percent of it, you've got nothing left. You know, so they go, "It's only ten percent. I only want an hour." You know, but, but actually, you know, you've, you've got 10 hours a day of useful time or whatever. And if, if you let 10 people each take an hour, you've, you've got nothing yourself. But so it is difficult. And I, I think often we worry a lot about what other people will say. What will they think if we say no? And what might they say? And actually, most people care less than we think about us. Most people are not that interested in us. So, you know, if you don't turn up to somebody's party, to you that feels like a big deal of, oh, my God, what are they going to think? I really should go. But they don't even notice. You know, they don't care whether you go. So I think quite often we really worry about saying no when we don't have to. But, you know, but sometimes um, what you whether you say no or not, can make a big difference to another person. And there's a thing called the utility theory of happiness, uh, which says that um, you should try to maximize the whole system. So if there's something you can do that's a little bit inconvenient, but it makes a big difference to the other person, you should do it. You shouldn't be totally selfish. But, But if it's something that is a big hassle for you and it only makes a small difference for them, then you don't have to do it and they probably won't care anyway. You know, and, and in fact you could almost argue they're being selfish making you do it. But they probably don't even know that they're making mm-hmm. you do something you don't want to do. You know, suppose you really don't want to go to their party, but you think it'll make them a little bit happier if you go, then don't go. Because the total system will be happier if you don't go. And especially as they probably don't care at all. So I, I really like the utility theory of happiness. And I think, you know, what I get from that is that selfishness is only it, selfishness is just looking after yourself, which you have to do. But selfishness only becomes bad selfishness when you're not prepared to do small things for other people that make a big difference to them. And, you know, absolutely, sometimes if you're going to be a team player, etc., you have to do that. So that's a sort of a, a clearer way of looking at that. And so saying no often is increases the happiness of the whole system, and therefore you should take courage and do it.
0: It's, it, it's strange that you mentioned that because for some unknown, well, I suppose it's linked to what you've just said, um, the the songs, the self-preservation society from the original Italian job film was just flashed through my mind. And, you know, it, yeah. is it selfish or is it just self-preservation saying no?
1: Well, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, we are... It it is kind of a dog-eat-dog world, and you do have to look after yourself to an extent. Uh, And a lot of people will take small amounts of your time without even thinking about it, really. And why should they? Because it's only a small amount. But when you add it up, it starts to become a problem, and you do have to push back against the world uh, and preserve yourself. So, yeah, I, I uh, I think happiness does require self-preservation or I I don't know what I don't know exactly what word I would use but you do have to look at self-maintenance and and obviously you've got to make sure you get enough sleep and do exercise and and eat the right food and there's all that sort of stuff in happiness as well because you know your body has to be in reasonable shape for you to be happy but you don't have to be super fit and you don't have to push yourself to try to do a marathon in less than four hours or something like that because you know that will probably make you unhappy it's much better just to go for a nice jog along the beach every now and then. So, you know, we're back to trying to master things and trying to compete, aren't we? Mm. So yeah, just, just look after yourself. Don't worry about other people. Don't, don't worry about trying to compete with them because then it all starts to become a road to nowhere. Well,
0: that's been, that's been really interesting, really insightful, Chris. Thank you very much. It's um, just before we come to a close, um, If the listeners are interested in um, looking you up and checking out your different courses and and whatnot, where would be the best place to find you? Um, I would, well, firstly, my website
1: is just chriscroft.com. So just go to chriscroft.com. You can go there. Um, Something they might find interesting, if you just Google Chris Croft six animals or the six animals quiz, you can find out, how you're doing in terms of goals and happiness and achievement and things. And, you know, you might find you're a kangaroo, has loads of fun, but isn't achieving anything. Or, you know, you, you might find you're a greyhound who's achieving, uh, well, actually, no, I, yeah, I won't tell you what the greyhound is, but you might find you're a mountain goat who's achieving stuff, but has forgotten to enjoy themselves. So I, I would have a look at my six animals quiz, which is quite fun. And um, the other thing is, um, follow me on LinkedIn because I put all sorts of things on LinkedIn. So I've just put out a LinkedIn newsletter on the connection between time management and happiness and why it's difficult uh, and the things that you can do to be better at at getting more happiness into your time. And so LinkedIn, just put Chris Croft into LinkedIn and you'll find me. um, I think they're probably the main places but you can find me on linkedin learning if you have access to linkedin learning uh, or you can find me on udemy u-d-e-m-y that's where all the training courses are for sale it's like the sort of youtube of training if you go to udemy and put my name in you'll see i've got about 25 different courses so if anybody wants to know about about happiness or time management or negotiating leadership and also i've done a really interesting course on careers i'm quite proud of that because I've been thinking about it for a long time of how to work out what the best career for you would be and I've recorded a a whole load of videos on that and that's a, a Udemy course and it costs about 10 quid or something like that of which I get three quid so you know it's not massive financially for either of us but but I think there's some really good stuff in there about if you if you want to know about careers and and the whole thing about working out what you will enjoy and so planning your career and your life is on Udemy. Uh, so yeah, there's a load of places like that where people can find me and from my website they can get a free tip of the month, free forever if you just go to chriscroft.com and put your email address in. Um, you can get my tip of the month free forever. It never repeats and it's free, so that's a fun thing.
0: Excellent. Uh, I don't know about the other listeners, but I'll be certainly checking out the uh, the six animals quiz later on.
1: Oh yeah, do that. Yeah, I wonder what you'll get. Hope you don't get the tortoise. I bet you don't, oh. though. Right. Okay. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll let you know which animal I guess. Yeah, do email me. I'd love to know. I've already. I've got a guess, but I won't tell you what it is. We'll see.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you know. Brilliant. Excellent. Chris, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you for joining us on the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for asking me. It's been a pleasure.
0: Excellent. Um, no doubt we'll speak soon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's brilliant. Cheers then. Bye for now.
0: Chris, Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. Come back next time for more conversation about happiness.